Uh, Victor Homeswano with the Africa Business Report on the line to us from Joburg this evening. Victor, our diplomatic row with Rwanda. What impact it's, is it having on business and business links between us and the Rwandans? Well, not not for someone like myself, because if you're already invested in Rwanda, you you just have to to sit out. But remember, I mean, the High Commissioner of Rwanda is still here. The High Commissioner of South Africa is still out there. But I'm sure that if there are people who are trying to explore this Rwanda that's much talked about, they would have said, maybe let's put on all our travel. But I don't think it's going to... We have had it before, remember, Bruce, and about two years ago, two, three years ago, our um, uh, High Commissioner was recalled from Rwanda. So it's not the first time that we have this, because I just don't know how this one is going to be resolved. Well, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a tough one. Thank you for that, Victor. Malawi, the, the coal is, is finding itself transported to Mozambique, and it's finding ports yeah. in Mozambique. Good for Malawi's. Yeah. doesn't have a huge coal industry, does it? Well, Malawi and Mozambique, both big coal economies, but the, I, the problem is, remember, Malawi is landlocked. Sure. So ma, ma, uh, Mozambique in the north, where the Motiz coal basin is, you are able to move from the one end to the other. They, we already have the one port there. But this one is a railway line that connects the two so that you're able to have a much longer, it's a 900 kilometer or so railroad that we are talking here, Bruce. 20 coal trains a day that they are looking at transporting. So it's not a minor, a minor adjustment. But it's a $4.4 billion project that's going to just be cementing this, the centrality of that northern part of Mozambique, Nakala, exactly being the alternative route. And as I say, we often don't pay too much attention to Mozambique as a route to sea for the Southern African region. And this is already proving that with this launch, because the two giants that are involved, one of them is Vale of Brazil, that's a, a very, very serious mining player. So the consortium here is showing you that there are countries in the Southern African region that are taking over and becoming options to see. And we will find that from time to time, we are losing more and more of the cargo that used to come through our ports if we don't really improve our, our, our efficiencies at ports. Absolutely right. We spoke to Brian Molefi last night about buying 1,000 trains and building 22,000 wagons. And yeah, we've got a lot of competing to do in this region. Um, there's been a lot of pressure on Zimbabwe and the Marange yeah. Diamond Fields for a long time. Uh, a yeah. lot of pressure groups are demanding an audit now on the Marange Diamonds. This is probably long yeah. overdue. You know, Bruce, when the, the Kimberley process lifted the ban of Zimb- on Zimbabwean diamonds, the Global Witness, which is a major campaigner against conflict minerals all over the world, withdrew and said, we are not happy with this. The U.S. and the European Commission went ahead and said, well, if they are, there's no direct link to the conflict, that the conflict being fueled by diamonds from the Marange fields, then we are going to proceed and trade. But I think somehow the reality on the ground is different, and that's why these organizations are now trying starting to campaign and say, you, you have degraded this place not only environmentally but mainly socially because the conflict that's happening here, they call them fly-by-night investors, this organization. It's called the Zimbabwe Natural Resources Dialogue Forum, which means it's, it's something that's saying, well, the Kimberley process might have said, go ahead and trade, but Marange Diamonds have problems. And that's what happens when you go with one opinion, Bruce. But I think it's just one of those problems that won't go away because one certificate says you can trade $50 million here that companies are expected to have donated that are mining in that area. The community says has not materialized. So somewhere in between there's a true story. And I'm sure it's always going to be a problem as long as the political situation in Zimbabwe stays the way it is. Yeah, and then let's move on to, to Kenya. I see authorities there have chucked out a dodgy-looking laptop uh, tender, which is quite brave considering that the amount of money at play here is quite, a, is, is quite huge. 
Yeah, you know what happens when people come into power? They make promises. We are going to do this, we are going to do that. Now, Kenya, granted, has the right attitude towards ICT. So the, the, the incoming, the new government, when they were campaigning, among other things, they said we will get laptops into primary schools. Because remember, there are countries like Rwanda next door that are challenging and saying, let's educate our children using the best technology. So the $284 million, $285 million laptop tender that was given to a company called Olive Telecommunications. I don't know it, but it was cancelled because they say the company, number one, overpriced. It went above what it should have charged. I think there was a briefing. And then secondly, they say maybe they don't quite have the capacity to do this. But what I like about the story, not that I like cancellation of tenders, but the Kenyan government is trying to say we want to run a corruption-free business here. And I think it's important that if there's non-compliance, tenders shouldn't go ahead because then what happens, you have a lot of resentment following so it's not a good story, but at the same time, it's showing that even when we think corruption is a, is a problem in Africa all over, there are countries that are beginning to take it seriously and, and get and deal with it. I, I got very excited for a moment when I saw your final story this evening. I thought we had a new Eskim <laughs> chief executive for a moment, but then I realized it's just the, the Senegalese singer Akon pr- promising yeah. a mi- electricity to a million African households. Yeah. I thought, finally, Akon, CEO of Eskim, I can take that. Yeah, Aikon, Senegalese American singer, he's known for people much younger than you, half our age, Bruce. They know him, he's quite an icon in his own right. But what he's saying, he wants to light up a million households in Africa. I and mean, that's, that's a lot, that's a huge number, but he's collaborating, he's promoting installation of solar equipment. So I think maybe he, he knows something. But when you're a superstar, and that's an impressive thing, that's why I included it, you're a superstar who can start looking at problems and solving them. It's, it's the kind of Africa that we need. He doesn't really live in Senegal. He lives in, in the U.S. most of the time as, as a hip-hop star. But I think he's beginning to realize that his own country needs the, the kind of intervention and the popularity, the, 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 the cloud that he brings. It's something called the Africa Development Solution Group, and I think there's a website. But I'm sure if you went to ACON, A-K-O-N, and find out what he's trying to do, you'll see. But I want to see if he can electrify or light up a million households in Africa by the end of this year. I think he might have just gone a little dramatic there. <laughs> Victor Gomez with the Africa Business Report, talking about the ICON called ACON.